Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Katie. Okay, I know there's a God because I walked in before, like, you know, y'all found another speaker. I mean, I got a text at 730. Like, you know what I mean? It's at 730. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I happened to find a parking place right around the corner, so, okay, there you go. Um, and, God, I guess it's been a long time since I've been in this meeting since I didn't know. Like, I have a feeling it might have been changed for a while, so sorry. Anyway, I'm a true compulsive reader. Yeah, I'm, my life is unmanageable, so here I am in all my glory. Um, this is one of those times where I'm, re- I'm loving that there's a third tradition because the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Not to be perfect. Yay. Okay. Um, and not to have your shit together. So, yeah. Um, actually, I usually do. You know what? I also, my shit is pretty together. So, I'm just a perfectionist. What can I say? Anyway, here's my pictures. I should fill in any gaps that I forget in my story. It certainly helps me to qualify. Oh. Mm. Okay. So, um, okay. If I, if I say nothing else, if everything comes out just complete crap, just I mean, this is the message I want to get across. Keep coming back to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, do service. That is, that's, that's the whole secret. That's how it all works. Because um, everyone I know has got long-term abstinence, goes to meetings, works the steps, does a lot of service. Um, so, yeah, what it was like, what happened, what, what it's like now. Um, so, what does that mean? Sorry, I mean that's that right. I hadn't started. Okay. <laughs> cool. Know, that was all just warm up anyway, right? Um, so the first time I remember food being an issue was uh, sometime in like, I think it was second grade. I was at a doctor's appointment and the doctor told my mother, I distinctly remember talking to my mother, not to me, that I was overweight and that I could lose weight by, um, you know, not turning down seconds and not having desserts. And, um, you know, I've seen pictures, there's a picture of me probably like a year before that doctor's appointment and I look pretty normal, I think, for, you know, a five, six, seven-year-old child. Um, but I guess I didn't match up on some height weight chart. So to this day, I make a very if a regular doctor, I weigh backwards. I tell, I try to remember to tell them, don't tell me the number because the doctor will talk to me if it's not okay. And you know, and they have. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's like your weight's fine and they don't worry about it. And it's it's kind of cool that more and more healthcare professionals are kind of savvy to that. Like they take the putting your back to the scale, you know, as a, as a sign. Don't tell, them, don't read it to me. Um, anyway, so. So after that, after that doctor's appointment in the second grade, um, you know, my, my, I'm really grateful my parents did not become the food police. Um, but I did get praise for, you know, turning down seconds and not having dessert. And every time I think, like, oh, my parents, you know, thought they were doing the right thing, like, I don't think there was a right thing. I think even if they completely didn't say any word, anything after that doctor's appointment, that, that seed was still planted. Like, somebody told me that my body wasn't okay and that what I was doing, what I, the way I ate wasn't okay. Um, and so that just, I mean, I might've been doing it before, but I, I, I know after that I was conscious of being the kid at parties who would eat, eat, all, eat, all, eat all the desserts and stuff. And if there was a, a holiday that had candy, you know, my stash would maybe last a week if it was like a big stash or something, you know? Um, but I could just eat, 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 eat. And I, I was pretty normal size. You know, when I was a preteen, I was kind of chunky. There's a picture in there probably, I'm thinking about 11. Uh, but then I got taller, I got hips and breasts, everything kind of like, you know, evened out, and I looked pretty good. You know, I graduated eighth grade, wearing a size six petite, right? Um, and I think I was only an inch shorter than I am now. That's not a fat size, y'all. But I thought, I would, but the behaviors are still there. You know, I was definitely, you know, binging on stuff in the cupboards after school, and, you know, um, same thing. And I, anytime there was a, like a food holiday, I would just, just gorge myself. Um, you know, and so... Uh, 
that, that continued through high school. I managed to kind of pass for normal. I mean, there's a picture of my prom picture in there. You know, you can, depending on what you think, I'm either on the heavy side of normal or the small side of heavy, yeah, you know, whatever you think. Um, but I think I saw 150 pounds somewhere, you know, in, in high school. And, um, and the first time I heard about it, and I was still doing behaviors, I mean, again, more, you know, out of the cupboards. And I remember going to my pediatrician, same pediatrician as a teenager that I had in second grade, give me the same thing, tell me I was heavy. But I remember asking her, like, about losing weight, and she said to me, the oh-so-helpful uh, suggestion I got was, well, when you, you and your friends go to McDonald's, just get a Diet Coke. My friends and I didn't go to McDonald's. We went to Double Rainbow Ice Cream. We like baked stuff in each other's houses. You know, I mean, it, that was not helpful. Um, but the first time I heard about OA was it was in high school. One of my teachers had a poster in her classroom that said anorexic, bulimic, try over yours anonymous. And I, anorexia and bulimia were were starting to be talked about when I was a teenager. And um, you know, I I did kind of relate to. Um, like the kids who had problems, quote unquote, you know, like you, you have the, the school lecture about the alcoholic or doing drugs or, you know, the after school special about you know, the kid getting abused. You know, I somehow related to that, even though that stuff wasn't going on for me. There was something wrong, but I, I couldn't, like, how do I ask for help about this? You know, there isn't, you know, how, how do I ask for help for being a fat slob? It's just, it's a lot of junk. Um, but I think the term overeater in that poster caught my attention. And this is back for the internet, so I think you had to call a number and you gave them your address and your name and they sent you this unmarked envelope with the meeting schedule. And again, I'm grateful my parents, you know, were respecting my privacy. They just gave me the mail, they didn't ask any questions. They probably assumed it was from one of my friends, you know, playing one of those chain letter things or sending me whatever, I don't know. Um, and so I got, the, I, got the, uh, I got the schedule. And my very first meeting was at CPMC Davies, the Saturday before Easter of 1990. And um, I walked into that room and man, it was weird. I had all kinds of judgments. Cause I'd seen the AA meetings on you know TV and stuff, and um, you know I, I remember making myself very different. Like I was the the youngest, the whitest, the straightest, the singlest, the you know you name it. I was you know completely different. Yet I think deep down I knew there was a hook. The thing we had in common was that we all wanted to stop eating compulsively, doing destructive things with food, and you know they were really welcoming. And I don't know when I started going back to meetings again, but I know I started working the steps. So I'm after graduating high school, and you know I had a sponsor. I lost a bunch of weight. I got you know I got I got pretty thin. I mean I started college looking fantastic. Got this really cute boyfriend when I started college, and um, I got around 116 pounds, and um, that was which is my thinnest adult weight um, that I know of. I don't think I don't think I've gotten below that honestly with my current abstinence. But anyway, um, uh, and then so what happened is this life happened. You know the pink the pink cloud just burst. You know, I mean, school got harder. My grandfather passed away, um, which caused a huge rift on my mom's side of the family, but still there. And um, thank God for the fourth step. I did, worked a hard fourth step around that one. Anyway, or part of my fourth step around that. And, um, you know, the boyfriend stopped working out, and just, just life happened, and I started eating. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I started eating at my grandfather's memorial. Um, and it was really interesting, because there were people there who hadn't seen me since I'd lost the weight. So they, so I could, I heard comments like they were trying to reconcile seeing this thin person eating so much, you know, things like, oh, the food in the doors must be really bad. Um, <laughs> no, I just was finding comfort in, you know, cheese buffs. Anyway, um, yeah, and I couldn't get a hold of my sponsor after that, and when I finally did, she said she couldn't sponsor me, not because I had binge, but because her of her own stuff, and um, so I kind of didn't have a sponsor, and then I floundered around for another like year and a half. 
Um, I like to say I had the freshman negative 15 and the sophomore 70. So I just gained a lot of weight in that next year, you know. And I, and I was going to meetings, y'all. I, I, I mean, I went to school in Oakland, and there's a, at least at the time, there was, there's, I mean, the, the East Bay Fellowship's huge, and there was a lot of young people at, at that time, you know. And, and um, it just seemed like I couldn't, I could not make and keep friends. You know, like every time I'd connect with somebody my age, they would, you know, go away. They'd either move or drop out of school or something or just leave the program. I don't know what. And I, and I couldn't find a, a sponsor, you know, that was abstinent and, and helping me. Um, and, you know, <coughs> the only mistake I think I made is that I quit before the miracle. You know, I woke up one morning and I realized, you know what? There is no law saying I have to go to OA meetings. So I'm going to stop right here and say thank you all for choosing to be here tonight because there is no law making you be here. You know, <laughs> I have there might be somebody under a court order, but usually don't get you know people being sentenced to OA. Um, at least not this fellowship. They usually go somewhere else. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe that next week I would have found the perfect sponsor, and you know, la di da, I would have had great abstinence. But I don't know. That that was, that was not what happened. Um, that sophomore year, just to tell you how bad my disease was, um, I was also dating an active alcoholic and drug addict who was abusive. Um, but he was so nice when he was, when he was straight and sober. Um, <laughs> yes, I do qualify for another program. Um, and, and I was living with another compulsive overeater who was an angry woman and, and, and like even more of a slob than I was. You know? um, and I didn't really like her that much, but she had a car and would drive to the store with me and eat with me whenever I wanted. Um, so that was nice and convenient. Um, so the highest, the highest weight I've ever seen in my life, uh, or ever saw on a scale, was 189. That was my senior year in college. Um, and uh, yeah, I was kind of devastated. I was like, oh my god, I'm so fat, Ugh, you know. Um, and, and I'm sure I got higher than that. Like I, I, say, my, I say my top weight was close to, closer to 200 pounds because I was so sedentary that summer after college. And, and I ate a lot. You know, I, I went on a road trip with my then boyfriend and, you know, he, and I, and I'm not meaning to take his inventory anyway, but he quit smoking on that trip, and you know he picked up food when he put down cigarettes. So I had another binge buddy in the car with me. Um, yeah, and uh, so that was interesting. Um, so what happened? This is where I get to what happened because it does get better, obviously. At least, well, not obviously, but it does get better. Um, so after I got <laughs> that trip, I, I started working. Bless you, yeah. And. Um, I had, I, had a, I had about a three-month period where I had two jobs. And, and to get to those two jobs, I was basically working seven days a week. And the, the days where I had both jobs, my schedule was pretty much get up about six, you know, eat breakfast, go to the morning job, get off that one, you know, eat some lunch, go to my afternoon job, get a, get, a, get a short dinner break. I mean, maybe 15, 30 minutes, whatever they can legally get away with letting us take off. Um, and then I get off about 10, 30, or 11, go home, go to bed, get up and do it all over again. Now, just having those boundaries around my food, there's three meals, because I wasn't trying to, I wasn't saving for any particular foods, I wasn't trying to control portions, but just having those boundaries of three separate meals, I lost like 20 pounds. So that just kind of showed me how much I was eating. And, and I'm, much, I, I'm mostly a binge eater, but I can be a grazer, you know? So, you know, if it's there, I'll be just kind of munching on it and stuff. I, I, I'm, I'll eat it if I want it. Um, so yeah, so there's some boundaries on that. And then, you know, I moved out of the house and I kind of thought I was growing out of it because I wasn't binging as much. You know, it was a little harder to get food because I had to go buy it myself. Cool, thanks. Um, and so I, I kind of stayed at that, that middle weight, you know, that, that top weight minus 20 pounds place for quite a while. Um, and then I think I had a day at work where um, I was 
uh, well, the pants that were loose in the morning were tight at night because I'd eaten so much. You know, I, I, at the time, well, I still work in this company, but I, I worked for a company that, you know, they used to cater a lot of meetings. There's a big cafeteria. People have, like, you know, candy dishes on their desk. And people bring stuff in that they bake at home. You know, there's always food around. There's vending machines and la, la, la. Um, so I was like, okay, I want to do something about this extra weight. Let's get it off. And, you know, my company, I think they still do. I think they'll, they'll, they'll sponsor you for those pay diet, those uh, commercial diet weight loss programs. Um, and so I did that. And I got down to about where I am now. And then the food came back. Like, I started doing things like, you know, putting on, like, nasty old sweats to go to the store, you know. And I have the story prepared for the clerk. You know, all my friends will love all this. And they never asked, but I just I felt like I had to be ready. Um, I remember hiding from a cute guy from my church. And I didn't want to see him all, like, see have him see me all, like, you know, dressed like crap and buying crap. And then, you know, I would do things like I'd be eating stuff. All, I mean, I live, like, a block and a half from the, from the grocery store. And I'd be just eating stuff out of the wrappers, you know, as, as I was walking back to my apartment. Um, and I remember, I remember one binge where I, just, I had to get more food. I knew I had to get more food than I could possibly finish because I wasn't going to stop until I was sick. And I did, you know, I mean, I got like massive Chinese food and candy and oh my God, I just, and I, yeah, I indeed threw it all up and it, that scared the crap out of me. Um, cause I think I, I think I sweated blood cause I don't remember hitting my head in the toilet. So when it came up to clean up, my, clean myself up, I was like, there's blood on my forehead. Hmm. Interesting. Cause I threw up hard. And I'm not a bulimic. I mean, telling you, I mean, I, I mean, probably thank God I've, I've a, I've a, I can't make myself throw up, you know. Um, so that's probably the only reason I didn't become bulimic because I can't, I can't do it. And laxatives scare me. Like there, all of, there's certain things about bulimia that just anyway, I don't. Anyway, it's not my story. It's not, it's not my disease. Um, and in terms of anorexia, I think I decided once that I was going to starve myself till I got to my goal weight, and that and that decision lasted until dinner, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Not anorexic, sorry. Okay, so anyway, um, what got me back in the program was, uh, was actually the literature. The, the first, sometime after the first time I left program, I gave all my old OA literature to somebody um, with the instructions of don't give this back to me. You know, I, I knew I, I was not going to go back to OA. I don't want this literature back. I don't care. Do whatever you want with it. Well, for some reason, I thought to ask her if she still had it, if I could have it back. She did, and I got it back. So, um... You know, I was reading, I started reading the, um, uh, the first time I was in program, they didn't, have, they didn't have a 12 and 12. They just had the 12 steps in a book. So I was reading my 12-step book, and it's somewhere in step three where it talks about, you know, asking God to, to stop or asking God for help. And, and, I, and, I, and I remember saying to God, yeah, I want to stop, I want to stop hurting myself with food, you know. Um, and I was really, I understood the concept of the physical, emotional, and spiritual nature of the disease, but I told God, you know what? I'm not going back to OA. You know, I'm going to take care of the physical with this, with this commercial diet plan. I'm going to take care of the emotional therapy, uh, which I was doing at the time. And I'll take care of the uh, spiritual with this church group that I'm in. Now, I am neither opposing nor endorsing either, any of that stuff. I know people that use that, you know, it, as an adjunct to their program. And I have myself. But those alone were not keeping me obstinate. They weren't keeping me out of the food. So I know there's a power greater than myself because after I made that declaration to God of what was going to happen, I walked into the Monday Night Kaiser meeting on May 1st of 2000. And, um, and I haven't ever wanted to leave. I mean, I've, I've, I've run the gamut of, you know, I hate all you freaking losers to like, I love everybody, you know, and uh, everywhere in between. Um, but I've never wanted to leave. Never, ever, ever. I mean, I've had resentments. I've done like massive 10 steps and four steps around stuff. I've cried to my sponsor about how, how much I hate everybody. But I've never wanted to leave because I know, I just know this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, like, 
in the corest fiber of my being, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I remember that, that, I guess, last first meeting, if you want to call it that, um, being afraid. Actually, I was angry because I was afraid. Um, I was angry I had to be there, and I was afraid because what if this doesn't work again? What if I can't connect with, what if I make new friends? What if I can't wear the steps? What if this doesn't work? What, you know, what, what am I gonna do? Um, and I think I got the whole last house on the block concept. That was, that was what was going on. Um, and anyway, I don't know what I said to the, uh, the newcomer greeter at that meeting. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there, a lot of anger and fear came out, but all I remember is her smiling at me and saying, welcome, I'm really glad you're here. Whew. So then, so let's see. So my abstinence date I claim as August 11th, 2001. Now if you do the math from when I went back to that meeting in 2000, it took a little while. Um, so I'm a big advocate of like, keep working the steps so you get abstinent. There's definitely a train of thought that says you should be absent before you work the steps and that's totally valid and it makes sense. But my experience is I had to work the steps. And to do that I had to have a sponsor because it's, it, I don't know. For me, I just, I think, it, I think you really need to have somebody just bounce, bounce ideas off of a, because sometimes we come up with wacky shit. Um, so yeah, so, so I got my first sponsor um, at a Unity Day. Um, God, they said to me that long to get a sponsor because it, it was Unity Days in February and I came back in May. Sometimes I get all hazy on the dates of stuff when I started stuff, but anyway. Um, anyway, I got a sponsor. Uh, she raised, basically, I got her because at the announcement, she raised her hand and said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm available as a temporary sponsor. If you want to work with me, come talk to me. And I just remember running across the room before I lost my nerve to go talk to her. And um, she started working with me. We worked the first three steps. Um, I don't do a how program, but I like the how 30 questions for working the first three steps. I think they're really, they're really um, uh, inclusive, I guess inclusive is the right word. They, 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 they cover everything, I think. They cover everything. And, um, and it gets you ready to do the fourth step which is taking the moral inventory. And it took, me, um, it took me a few weeks to get that done. And then I gave away my fifth step to that sponsor. And um, you know, I'm so grateful I hear more and more people sharing this experience because I think it's, I can't remember if it's in the AA 12 and 12 or the, or the big book, but they talk about when, you know, giving away the fifth step, how the person's relief mounts from minute to minute as they unburden themselves. With the, and it's like, that was so not my experience. I felt like, the biggest piece of shit ever created after you know giving my fifth step, and I had three notebooks to prove it, right? Um, but thankfully, you don't get left at the fifth step. There's seven more steps. So I don't exactly know how we worked the sixth and seventh step, but we did. And then one day I just said the seventh step prayer. I mean, that's really all you do. You say the seventh step prayer when there's like that open window of willingness, and you've taken it. Um, and, and by the way, when I sponsor people, I'm all about like, keep going on the steps, keep going on the steps. When I get a new sponsor, they're like, well, I started my fourth step, and then I just started my work on a relapse. I'm like, no, finish your fourth step, go. You know, and then when they get to this, you know, then they, we get done the fifth, with the fifth step, I'm like, when you get a one window of willingness for step seven, you know, you think you're ready, just call me. We'll do the seven step prayer and you're done. No big deal. Um, but my, but my, eight, my eighth and ninth steps were pretty, were pretty cool. Um, so one of the ways to work the eighth step, make that, make that list of people we owe amends to, is to go back and look at the grudge list or the, the resentment list from step four. Because a lot of times if people harmed us, maybe we harmed them too. And I remember looking at my old fourth step and looking at those scenarios and being neutral about it. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Whereas before, if I thought about it, it'd be like, oh yeah, that's when so-and-so did da 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 oh my, oh, and that, mm-mm-mm. Just really, I'd feel it again. Um, so what I realized that had happened is that, you know, I had forgiven people because people are human and human beings make mistakes. Now, sometimes they're big mistakes. I'm not going to like, you know, 
sugarcoat certain things. I'm not going to come back for more with certain people, but I could forgive some, even some crappy stuff, right? And I was able to make the leap, like, well, if they're human and get to make mistakes, well, I'm human, so I guess I get to make mistakes. And that just opened up the door for me for, for step nine, to, to, to make amends and ask for forgiveness. And, um, you know, all except two were really, really good. Um, you know, I, I remember a, a mechanic who I had just gone off on. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just, like, I mean, I ripped him a new one for no really good reason. I remember when I was going to make amends for him, to him. He looked scared when I, when I walked into his, into his shop. And I could just see him, like, like breathe, like, this huge sigh of relief when I wasn't going to, like, yell at him, you know, when I, when I apologized for being a jerk. You know, uh, he was like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, and I had some really lovely ones with my parents. And uh, when, I, when I made amends to my brother for, you know, wishing he would be, get fat when he was older, you know, he's like, well, that's cool. But I was probably making fun of you for being fat at the time. So anyway, I was like, hey, I got an amends back. How cool is that? Um, the ones that weren't so cool were ones that were of the essence of, like, telling somebody I hated them all these, all these years. Um, there were some people who, frankly, were toxic. And I chose to just kind of ignore them until they went away, which I... In retrospect, is not necessarily the worst thing in the world to do, and I don't think I necessarily owed amends because the letters I got back were like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> and one person even, I guess, took it as like, "Is this my dying trying to make everything right?" And they wrote to my parents like, "Is she okay?" And I was like, "Oh, lord." Um, so yeah, that was that was when I was in between sponsors, and I, yeah, I don't think I got good 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 advice. So yeah, definitely have a sponsor when you're like trying to get your amends together, like you know, so you can. And my, my current sponsor is really great if I, if I, because amends have come up like after I finished my first, is that five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. Woohoo, yes. all right. Um, so yeah, different, different things have definitely come up after I did my first set of night steps. Um, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh that, oh that. And um, I even found somebody uh, years later, like I had a roommate in college um, that I, I essentially stole food from. She got a big care package, because she lived in the state, and she was kind of like, oh yeah, help yourself if you want some. What she meant by help yourself was like, have a granola bar or two, right? I think I hated her. Entire package of granola bars, a whole thing of Ritz crackers, and probably some more stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And she came back, and she was like, what did you do? And I know I apologize, but I never offered to, like, replace the food. And anyway, I just found her, like, probably, like, four or five years ago, like, out of the blue. And I was like, um, so I never made amends for this. Can I, like, you know, can I send you a check? She's like, yeah, sure. So um, it's so funny. All the financial amends I've made, I always, like, for some reason, want them to go, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just donate to charity. Every time they cash the check. Every time. So anyway, whatever. Which is fine. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. Um, so, Russell, I go to this. Um, yeah, if I had more time, I'd talk about my nightstep. Because I love, I've had so many good nightstep events, experiences. But 10, 11, 12, those are the ones we live in, right? Or, or, because they're kind of like steps one through nine in, in corn. Um, you know, or at least step 10 is. You know, step 10 is continue to take personal inventory when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Um, I've gotten pretty good at the spot check inventory. Like if something's bothering me, it's like, look, what's this about? Oh, I'm afraid of blah, blah, blah. Or, okay, that's triggering my, you know, whatever. Um, and do I need to make amends? Probably. Okay, I'll, you know, I can go talk to the person. Um, and if it's really, usually, usually when it feels hard is when I don't want to make amends and I'm trying to like rationalize that I don't have to. And usually writing about it and giving it away to my sponsor is like, yeah, I got to go say something. Okay, so I'll go do that. Um, and then 11 is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact. That's another fun step for me. Because um, you know, I'm at the point where my higher, me and my higher power are like this. You know, I can be so real with my higher power. Like, like I can go, WTF, God, what, you know, what do you want from me? And, and get pissy and God be like, that's good, that's cool. You know, you're pissed, that's cool. Um, I got you. 
And, um, you know, I do like doing what's called a guide dialogue. It's a written thing where I, I write what I'm going to say and I write what God's going to say. And it sounds, it, it's the weirdest thing because I know it sounds like, well, am I putting my will into what God said? Not necessarily. Um, I mean, I think, I, I think if I'm really honest, I know when I'm putting my will into that writing. And, and so God, my, I have a really loving higher power. My, God, my higher power is just like, come on, you're all good. It's all good. Just chill out. Um, and then step 12 is doing service that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, there's so many ways to do service, no matter how absent or not absent you are. You know, um, there's putting away chairs, there's, there's giving rides. In fact, that was, that was my first service. It was like before I was absent, I, I put away chairs and gave rides because I'm also a really fearful person. Like, I'm afraid of people. And I, but I can have the conversation about like, oh, the chairs go there? Okay, you got that? Okay. Or if I have somebody who's in my car, I could, I could tolerate somebody in my car in my presence and chit chat for like 10 minutes while we took a ride. I could do that. Um, so there you go. And you know, I've done service at all different at the meeting level, at world service level. I've I've helped with conventions and put days in a way. Um, you know, I sponsor people. Hopefully, I'm doing service now. You know, I've done the and um, it just and it keeps coming back. You know what I mean? Um, because I don't know. Like I said, I've never wanted to leave, but I don't know. Every time I think on these long-term service commitments, like, well, I'm into the program to at least June of whatever year. Um, so that just it keeps it keeps me here, and it, and it makes me feel a part of things too. You know, that's, that's the biggest part. I mean, like, even with the chairs, it's like, well, I'm helping out. I'm being part of the group, right? You know, I may not be, like, absent enough to be, like, the secretary or speak, but, hey, I can do this. Um, so there you go. Uh, there's, there's something for everybody being here. And, wow, I think I'm going to stop because I think I've said enough, and I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say. So, if you didn't, like I said, if you didn't get anything, anything out of me, there's a bunch of awesome people in this room who want to be absent and, you know, because of third tradition, and um, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you.